Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are just as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They're milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Betches Media presents Diet Starts Tomorrow with host Sammy Sage. I'm having a relationship with my pizza. And Aileen Drexler. I'm going to make you girls a hump day treat. In a world where wellness looks perfect on Instagram. Just doing my workout. Tuesday's arms and back. But feels anything but in real life. Is butter a carb? Yes. This is the podcast exploring the emotional side of well-being. I would be proud to partake of your pecan pie. From people who understand the struggle. I am on the third day of my cleanse diet. Hello, and welcome back to Diet Starts Tomorrow. I'm Sammy, and today our guest is someone you probably know. She is the self-styled queen of confidence. You probably know her as the creator of the games Let's Fucking Date and Let's Fucking Fuck. Welcome, Serena fucking Kerrigan. Thank you so much for having me. You're a queen, you're a star. I'm so pumped to be here. Thank you. I'm already feeling 10 times more confident just, you know, merely being merely being told that. So I appreciate that. Okay, we have much to talk about because you have really, you know, I really admire the way you put yourself out there. And, you know, you just, you do really project a great deal of confidence and it is very impressive. And I, you know, I'm hoping that confidence, confidence, is obviously a big conversation, especially something, so especially one that we have around self-image and dieting and body acceptance. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about, you know, how you got to where you are today. Um, but first off, I want to congratulate you on launching OnlyFans. Can you tell me a little bit about this new project? Yeah. Um, so obviously, I have two best-selling card games that are designed to make people feel excited and empowered going on dating and also fucking. Um, <laughs> but the games can also be played like with groups groups of friends. And you know, really, the beginning origin story of my brand was confidence. Um, and then I kind of entered into the dating space. Um, and then I really wanted to think about like a self-love card game. And, but, you know, doing it in the S of K fashion, which is a little provocative and bold and by a little, I mean a lot. So mm-hmm. I thought about like my, my relationship to masturbating growing up. I was, I literally humped every fucking thing in my house, like chair, tables. I went to preschool. My parents like were called in being like, your daughter is, is, it's too much. Did you know what you were doing? I knew there was a point where I knew, well, I'm an only child. So I spend so much time alone. Like either you have an imaginary friend or you masturbate, like imaginary friend isn't giving me an <laughs> orgasm. Like, I'm yeah. sorry. Like, like okay. Yeah. So I, I, I remember like spending a lot of time alone and, you know, watching cartoons and, and getting off. And like, I was like legit for, and Did then you just, like, discover one day that like, this feels good. Is that, I think, yes, yeah. yes. And I think it's super, a lot of, a lot of kids do it. I just don't think I ever really stopped. I will reveal a memory that I have, and I uh, this is uh, going to my this. I've never revealed this. This is this is really going into the vault. I remember we had like an exercise bike in my yeah, in my house, yeah, and I remember going on it, and like it, you know, it obviously like it worked, you know, kind of by accident at first. But then I will never forget like going. My I'll never forget like in my house, my mom was giving my brother a bath, and I walked into like the bathroom. And I was like, "Mom, it feels really good when I go on the bike. Like, why? <laughs> why does it feel so good?" And she was like, and she was like, you're masturbating. And I, for years, thought that meant masturbating. Oh, like, I thought okay. that was ooh, ooh, I yeah. like that. That's that's a good, <laughs> I like that word combo. I really for years I thought that was what it was, but I didn't. I didn't like know, like you know, right we, now. I didn't put well, it together. I didn't even put that conversation like together until later. You know. So similarly, like. Obviously, I started doing it too much in public that my parents, like, sat me down. They were like, we love this for you. Like, we love this journey for you. But, like, you have to do it in private. And they're, they, I grew up with just very liberal, chill parents. But yeah. I think that I did feel shame. 
And I remember I kind of just stopped talking about, like, I never brought it up again. Like, I remember I did it in secret, didn't talk about it with my friends. And, you know, when I started to build this brand, I thought about, like, what is the ultimate act of self-love? It is self-pleasure because you don't need anyone but yourself. You're giving yourself this euphoric feeling with just an exercise bike or with like a pillow or a vibrator (laughs) or, you know, a dildo, like whatever it may be. Like, I always just have this handy. Yeah. It's a hot big dildo. Um, So long story short, you know, I started developing this game, the idea of playing with yourself. And, um, and when we thought about how we wanted to launch it, I just, you know, my team were just known for doing stunty, provocative marketing campaigns where people really don't know what to expect, keeping people on their toes, creating the sense of FOMO and urgency. And like, what is she going to do next? And my, when I launched my last game, let's fucking fuck people thought it was an OnlyFans. So I think uh-huh. people, it wasn't that out of the realm of possibility that, you know, that I would be launching an OnlyFans. So what we decided to do was make this entire campaign for this new card game, telling people I was launching an OnlyFans and getting them onto that platform. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think there's a lot of, you know, conversations when it comes to censorship on the social media platforms that we use, especially I'm a very sex yeah. positive content creator and I get shit taken down, shadow banned all the time. So we were really trying to like push, you know, people towards OnlyFans without a paywall. So we weren't taking away any kind of monetary gains from other creators, especially sex workers. And then we're giving 10% of the proceeds to, you know, an organization that helps sex workers called Swap, which is incredible. So it was provocative as fuck. And people believed it. People unfollowed me. People were criticizing me. And I was like, well. I saw a mix. I saw like some people were super into it and excited. And some people were like, this is trashy. I'm like, you're all too attached. Like you're all too like, you but know. I think, well, no, I agree. But my, my thing that really stuck out to me was a girl who said, I thought you wanted to be the face of Chanel and, and walk the Met Gala, which has like always been kind of my like barometers of success. Right, right, right. And I was like, th- see, that's the thing. Why can't a woman be sexual and be successful? Like what the fuck? Right. Like it yeah, does not, no. you know? So. Right. You'd think with like Samantha Jones, people would be like, okay, we, you know, we, that was so long ago that she was like a character. You'd think people She's would. She's my mother. She's my yeah, yeah. No, I think, yeah, it is interesting. So what exactly are you doing on OnlyFans? Because, you know, obviously OnlyFans. I know I'm, I'm not on OnlyFans. Like I've never used it, but I know that there's so many different options for like the ways that it can be used. So I'm not, on, I'm not using OnlyFans anymore. It was quite literally to launch. My oh, party. so when people subscribe to my OnlyFans, I'll say, by the way, we got thousands of people on the platform who were like, I can't believe I'm doing this. Which is like, it was a pain in the ass. You just like put your credit card information, even though it was free, but they make you do it. Super annoying. They get there and we dropped a video and it was, we marketed as I'm playing with myself, but really the reveal was that I was playing my new card game. Let's fucking play. Okay. So a new card game. I love that. I have the first two. Yeah. You can completely play by yourself with a mirror, with your bicycle, whatever the fuck you want to (laughs) do, or you can play with friends. Or a spouse or whatever. You also just um, jogged another memory. There was a girl and I think she was like my maybe my first or second grade class who would masturbate. And like, I think that was like my second time, like putting it together. Cause she would like do it in class, like publicly. So oh, same. that was yeah. me, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but did you think no one knew is that's my question. I was just hoping people wouldn't notice, but it really, you really calm me down. It's almost meditate. Masturbation is meditative. Like it really yeah. just like, just like, calm me down. Yeah. But like, there, I, I was, I think I was hoping people wouldn't notice. Then it's right. like, like little this is my secret. Like, it's, yeah. like, it's just like not at all. Right. No, totally. I mean, I was even reading this article yesterday. I think it was in like the Wall Street Journal. It was like, how do you get back your like brain from the pandemic? And it's like socializing, sex, and I think it's like physical activity, like not being sedentary. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, yeah. Well, the beauty of, for women is that you don't need to have sex to have sex. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Like it's unreal. Yeah. That is that is our power. That it's literally literally just designed for our pleasure, our orgasm. It's not to, you know, pro- like have kids. You don't have anything. to you don't have to reproduce. Yeah. You don't have to be you don't have to be paying child support for uh-uh. or, for the wrong orgasm. A poorly timed orgasm. orgasm. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, so let's talk about like confidence and let's talk about body confidence. Mm-hmm. You are obviously a very, you know beautiful, blonde, sort of just, you know, obviously like that standard, you really fit the beauty standard. Did you always fit the beauty standard? No, I mean, I think, first of all, thank you. And you're beautiful as well. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I think that I grew up to didn't feel like I fit the beauty standard. I definitely didn't. Like I, I just, 
you know, I wasn't a size two, like my thighs still to this day, thighs touch, tummy, like, you know, big cheeks, like are like, I just, I don't know. Like I did not feel that way. And I think I really, and I also think that part of that was one, the images I was, you know, absorbing, you know, the Victoria's Secret fashion show. I was like, right. I don't look like that. What's wrong with me? Yeah. You know, I think it was also comments that were made to me at like summer camp, you know, like mm-hmm. just like really derogatory mean comments and just like, from people that I love, people I know or not. And, and so all of a sudden my perception of myself literally became dictated by everyone else, but me. Like right. I was like, it, like, so you say now, like you fit the beauty standards, like you're, you're right. But like, I, I did it think I did. Right. And, and did, I think everyone to some degree feels that way at some point that they don't right. fit. Did you diet when you were younger? Did you feel like you needed to lose weight? What was your experience with that? Yeah, I remember I, I didn't really diet. I just love, I just really like love food. I like, and I have a Jewish mother who's always like, you yeah. know, so, um, but I remember there was one time I went on a trip with my dad and my best friend to Paris. I was in high school and I don't know what happened on that trip. Like, I don't know why I had this thing, but I like tried like literally making myself throw up after dinner because I was so insecure. Oh, I, and. Yeah. And he heard me and he was horrified and felt so bad. And it was so, so shame. I was so ashamed. Right. But it was like a really like, like, and, and then I never did it again. Cause by the way, I fucking hated it. Like it was like, I did not like the, like yeah. lettuce was like coming. It was just not right <laughs> for me at all. Just yeah. Sorry to get graphic. But like, I think it was really like a low and just, you know, I think I, I did. I, I'm not going to lie to you. Like when I went to Duke, I just was like, I remember I kept being like, people will think I'm attractive when I lose this weight. Like I, I remember I kept saying that I'm like, someone's going to hook up with me if I, if I lose 10 pounds, like when I, when me after too. freshman year, I'm going to come back sophomore year and I'm going to be like so skinny and like perfect. And everyone's going to love me <laughs> every year. Like, no, I literally like, tried that every year of my life. Like every, I remember like every, before every like first day of school, just being like, I am going to, this is my year. <laughs> this is my hot year. But it's, or like at the end of the year being like, I'm going to lose weight. Every New Year's. Oh, oh, New Year's, new me. Yeah. So then that, that didn't work for me because I'm not someone who just like, I'm a little chaotic. I'm all over the place in some ways. And so like that rigidness of control. I mean, like I am. That was really just, my problem too. Like, I just want to put a trigger warning before I say this, but I felt the same way that eating disorders were glamorized. Like I've spoken in the past on this podcast about watching like Blair Waldorf throw up on Gossip Girl. And then you're like, oh, I can do that. Like that's a method. And if you watched Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Crystal Kung Minkoff says that that's how she developed an eating disorder. And I think sometimes it does develop like, oh, let me just try this. Um, Because being thin is more important than whether I do something really dysfunctional, like make myself throw up. Correct. And that's basically what happened to me. It wasn't that I was, you know, I, you know, I, eating disorders are a disease and, and, and my, like, it's just, it's so heartbreaking that our society really perpetuates, you know, this culture. But for me, it wasn't something that was ingrained in me. It was like, like you said, it was like, oh, like other people are doing it. Like maybe I'll give it a shot. Like, no, like, uh, no. Right. So I came, kind of came to a standstill where I was like very unhappy at Duke. Well, it was right when I got there, I like looked around and I was like, whoa, like, I feel invisible. Like, like I'm obviously not pretty hot enough, you know? And so I'm going to, no, it's like ridiculous, but I, it's just like, I literally was like, wow, like literally like no one's going to pay attention to me unless I do something that doesn't rely on my image. And that's why I changed my middle name to fucking. Did you legally change it at the time? No, 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 no. But I told everyone and I was new and people just like, were like, wow, this girl's fucking insane, but we're down. Like, I guess, you know? Yeah. And, but I was like a very, like, like I, like, I was very serious about this is going to be my identity at the school and <laughs> ended up becoming my entire brand company, et cetera, which is crazy. But, and so many people pushed back. Like my parents hated it. My best friend hated it. Guys were like, no one's going to fuck you. I was like, they aren't already. So whatever. <laughs> and then I just kept doing it. And it really was kind of like a Lady Gaga, a Sasha Fierce, a, persona that I could just constantly tap into. And the more I did, and by the way, this persona wasn't a bitch. This persona wasn't putting other people down. This persona mm-hmm. was just like, I'm SFK. What up? Like, let's be friends. You're fucking on. I'm fucking on. Right. Right? right. And I think that that's key there. And because I think the name throws people off and eventually yeah, I, really I know what did, you mean. Yeah. I did become confident. Like I really did. It really works. It's dialogue. It's just hyping yourself up. This episode is brought to you by Newly. 
Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always find the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you, Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for this season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There are no fees, late fees, damage fees, or fees to pause or cancel. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. And you always have the option to buy what you love. I love Newly. I've rented so many cute things from there, and I've even made a few purchases from there. And they're always spot on. They have so many brands that I honestly could never afford in real life. So it's great to be able to rent them. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now, you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code DST20. Just go to Newly, that's N U U L Y dot com, and enter the code DST20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com, newly with two U's, with code DST20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. Were you not confident? Like, because I know you're saying like you intellectually felt like, you know, no one wants to, you know, no one wants to have sex with me. But did you feel like down in that way or were you just like acting like it was fine? I, I remember it was the first night of college. My two best friends who are also from New York City, so that we all went to Duke together. They are very thin girls and they wore matching horizontal body con dresses out mm. to shooters, which is the bar at Duke. And I mean, horizontal, like striped. Forget yeah. it. That was like the least flattering thing for anyone yeah. other than like a size two. So I remember they just like, they were matching and they like hooked up with the lacrosse players. And I, it, that really like, I was like, I, I can't have, like, what do You're I- You're tall. Did you, did you feel like, oh, I'm a giant? I'm like five, six. Like I'm like, like average. You project very, you project very tall. I know people said tall. that to me before. No, yeah. definitely not all. I mean, I love high yeah. heels. So maybe that's why, but- Yeah, um, that. Yeah, but like I genuinely felt like shit at Duke for a lot. Like even even when I did the SFK thing, it was absolutely a crutch. Like I was, it was, it, but it wasn't faking it. It was just like I'm gonna become a character now, and okay. like I, I almost like didn't want to like. It just made me so sad to to think of to speak to myself to to be critical to myself. It was so heartbreaking that almost like I, it was a defense mechanism. It's like, I'm not even going to like let myself entertain how shitty I feel. I'm just going to be this bitch. And in some ways it's kind of like, you know, now it's like, I don't let, if anyone steps into my orbit, you cannot speak badly about yourself. Like you period, because you really do write who you are. Like you really do. At what point did it go from like, and I think this is sort of the, the ultimate question because, you know, people say fake it till you make it. And you know, I'm sure people look at you and they're like, of course she's confident. Like, look at her. Yeah. You know, she has all the things that you would need to be confident. But but I think it 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 doesn't go said enough that like having all those things doesn't, doesn't necessarily matter. It fucking doesn't. Yeah. At what point did you go from crutch to actually I believe myself now? Okay, a couple of things. One, like I've met, and I know you have too, like objectively, quote supermodels like super mm -hmm. insecure because ultimately ultimately like literally it's so fucking cliche but it's so abundantly true beauty comes from within like it's a personality it's how someone makes you feel it's someone who's having fun who's smiling that's who people want to be around that's beauty so right. that's one so that's super important to learn and two um the whole fake it till you make it concept i don't believe in i believe that actually we all were born with confidence when we were in the playground when we were little and someone totally. pushed us we didn't give a fuck. We got up and we're like, whatever. It was. It's when we start to enter like the mid-teen to teen years, pre-PBS, whatever, and start to see images, start to hear criticisms that we actually take it and it, it becomes in, ingrained in our identity of who we are. So what happened with the SFK thing was it was me unlearning. It was me realizing like, oh, like, and it was also Instagram. I know Instagram and, and social media can be very toxic, but I think for me, there were seeing other bodies that weren't the typical traditional VS supermodel and seeing them post nude or seeing, seeing them just like be baddies. I was like, Oh fuck. Like, let's go. Like, okay. Yeah. Like then maybe there is room for me to also feel beautiful. 
Right. That's why the feed and who you follow is so important. Oh, it's so important. And 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 also, and I by the way, I unfollow people all the time that I'm like, you know what? Like this doesn't make me or I mute them or I just I'm like, you know, I don't need this. Like you oh no, you put up that boundary. Like it's okay. It's not, you know, mm-hmm. don't have to we're forced to do anything. But I also think that when it started to change was actually hilarious enough. Like when I when I remember I couldn't let me put it this way. When I was 18 to when I was, I think, about 22 or 23, I could not enter a room without being like, I'm Serena fucking Kerrigan. I couldn't mm-hmm. do it. Like, I couldn't. Right. Went to Birthright when I was 23. I was a little late to the party, but I went. I went at, like, 21, so, yeah. Fucking epic. Yeah. Great time. I remember my my best friend, the one that hated that Serena fucking Kerrigan thing, because she knew that it was, like, she knew that I didn't need it, but, like, I did. I thought I did. She was like, oh, my God, you just introduced yourself as Serena. And I was like, oh. Oh my God. And that was when I was like, wow. And I really think that it was because I removed speaking badly about myself. I started talking to myself in the mirror and SFK was that it was me being like, you're straight fucking carry Like get into that, like go like to to that bar, go up to that guy, like ace that test. Like it was the hype up that like I would do to you that you would do to your best friend or whoever in your life that you love. We're, we don't fucking do that to ourselves. Like we literally don't. It's crazy to me, but like, we're literally not taught that. It's like, yeah, no, fuck. you're totally right. In fact, we're actually taught, you know, you should be quiet and you should, you should tread lightly because you're a woman. The amount of times that I've been told, like, I didn't really like you. And then when I first met you, because like, but like, you're actually really cool and nice. I'm like, because of the F word, like if a man did it, like you wouldn't even think twice, but it's like, oh, because I'm literally like, I'm empowered girl and I want to make you empowered too. But like, I'm empowered, like that makes people fucking uncomfortable and they call you arrogant vain they think that it's so weird to talk to yourself in the mirror why you know what's weird misogyny the fact that we live in a patriarchal yeah. society the fact that we think that we have to get married by a certain age those things are weird but it's going weird up to, to hate person, yourself it's, it's it, it, yeah. i'm very impassioned right now as you can tell yeah. it's just really <laughs> like you live once and there's only one person in your life that is a constant that is going to that you enter this world and leave with it's one person to you it's that bitch in the mirror Right. You got you got you, you got to be that girl for her. I'm just going to put myself in the shoes of me at my most down or you know, I'm yeah. sure some you know, maybe someone who's listening and is like I feel, you know, let's let's take it down the list. Let's say they hate their job. They, you know, oh. hate how they look. They <laughs> gained weight. Yeah. Great. They they gained there. weight. They're single. All their friends are getting married. They're, you know, whatever. They're so, you know, they're in that hole. That that Great. you know, late 20s, early 30s hole that like all society tells us you have to have these things and they're feeling like I don't have any of these things. Where would someone like that start? Like okay, where okay. do you even start? Okay. So easy. Okay. Yeah. Every t- And by the way, all those holes I've been in. Okay. So, so if I, and I always say when people DM me on Instagram, they're like, um, I got like, I literally, no one will promote me at work. Like they literally don't value me. Like, it's like, I'm a piece of shit. Like I'm so bad at my job. I have imposter syndrome. Like no one thinks I'm smart. And I said, I'm going to ask you if I copied and pasted this exact message and sent it to you and said, what would, what do I do? What would you say to me? And they write paragraphs saying, no, Serena, you're amazing. Fuck that. Like maybe you need to switch jobs. Go find somewhere you're valued. Like don't, like you're learning. There, it's right. That's what it is. So that's what really what it is. It's like I try. That's the frame of thought for anything. It's like if I said to you, like, hey, and by the way, I'm 27. I have no prospects, Sammy. So what if I said, I'm like, I have no prospects. <laughs> no, for like dating yeah. though, like no guys yeah. dating, right? Right. Yeah. So I'm like, and I said, it's like, oh my god, like all my friends are getting married. Like, what would you say to me? That's what you fucking say to yourself. It's like right. you're so self-critical, and and you have to not only just not only say it like in your head, go to the mirror, look yourself dead in the eyes, and be like. Let's walk through this. He ghosted. I got ghosted. I remember it literally like really just pissed me off and made me very upset and feel insecure. I was like, that's so rude. Like what, what did I do to, for him to ghost me? That was the first thing we always think. What did we do? I went to the main layer and I literally looked at her and I'm like, wait, I'm sorry. Are we really? And I literally like this. I'm pretend that this is the mirror. I go, wait, Serena, are we, are we really like, we're really allowing this person who ghosted us suddenly like make us question like our, our worth or our value or like if we did something wrong, like your person is never going to ghost you because you're never going to do something like he's going to love you for you and you could throw up on his feet and like, or whatever it is, and he's still going to be there for you. Right. That, totally. that kind of conversation. So that's totally. what I do. And I, by the way, I have spirals yeah. and I literally go to the mirror and I just do it. Like she's someone else. Right. 
Well, what I think honestly helped me and like I've been through roller coasters of feeling good about myself, bad, whatever it is. I think that what ultimately like turned it around for me is that because when you are in that place where you're like, I have nothing to cling on to to help me value myself. Like, I don't feel like I'm good at work. I don't feel like I'm, you know, I don't have a relate, whatever. All those, again, it's all about the markers. But then what I think happened when I told myself that like, I am inherently valuable regardless of those markers. Yes. The markers like that you don't have to be like, but I don't have X, Y, Z. It's like, it doesn't matter. I'm a human being. That's what I was saying. And like yeah. those markers are bullshit. Those are val- those are again external validation. Yes. You you validate yourself. Like you when you go into that mirror and you're like, you're a baddie, it doesn't fucking matter. And by the way, and this is another thing that I say, everything's for the plot. So that's how I really reframed a lot of the things that like would upset me. Like, and I've had like in this year, like even with my business, when things wouldn't go well or if someone left or whatever, I'd just be like, this is for the plot. This is a part of the chapter of my fucking life. I don't know why this is happening, but I will soon. And you always are like, oh, but you just, so I kind of say it like that. And another thing that I do that I find helpful that maybe, you know, your listeners will as well is like, I call it the kaleidoscope theory where like, I look at a situation that's so fucking shitty through a kaleidoscope, an imaginary one, and I just (laughs) twist it. And I'm like, how can we possibly see this differently? So it's like, you got laid off, right? Like, that's so fucking shitty. Like, I survived a lot of latest effort writery. It was, like, horrible to be a part of, horrible to watch, whatever. Every single person that got laid off literally ended up thriving beyond words that I literally, like, like, I think I would have actually been way further ahead in my career if I got laid off. Because they thought they left and they, like, literally exploded, found different jobs. That's kaleidoscope. Like being like, okay, this rejection is redirection. Like we're, we got it. We got to see this through a positive light. I completely believe that. And I mean, it's, I sometimes I just wonder like, do people think, oh, it's easy for you guys to say sitting at like you're in the positions you're in. But I, everyone is, I everyone do is just want to emphasize, right. I, I want to emphasize that there have been so many things that have like happened to me that are at the time were like devastating and then whether it takes months or it takes years, like you see why it had to happen that way. And you can like look back and it can be even more gratifying. And I also want to say that comparative suffering is bullshit. Like I don't believe in like, well, you know, and do I do I recognize that I am a straight, white, privileged, cisgendered woman? Yes, absolutely. I think that both of us are very privileged. And we live in a society that obviously like polices and brutalizes Rewards black bodies. Yeah. So like fully obviously we have to take what we're saying with a grain of salt, but I was a confidence coach during the pandemic because I quit my job and I was like, what the fuck am I going to do? And I literally was like, I'm just going to create a profession. <laughs> yeah. Right? No, no imposter syndrome there. I was literally like, fuck it. If no one signs up, whatever, but like, wasn't claiming to be a therapist, life coach, nothing. I was like, I just know how to become confident. And I think that I can help people. I spoke to 150 people, women ages ranging 14 to 60 of all races, right. cultures, ethnicities, etc. The talking in the mirror thing is free and it fucking works with every single one. I want to do it. No, no, yeah. no. You must. So you, the first yeah. thing you should be like, hey, bitch, haven't seen you in a minute. Fucking love yeah. you. Like literally. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. Okay. That, I'm, I'm really going to try it because I mean. You have to. I don't without feel it. like uncon. I don't feel not confident, but like you could always use more. Become your best friend. Warmer weather is finally back. After so many cold months, it's nice to get outside and soak up the sun. But the springtime always brings those unwanted guests, pollen and seasonal allergies. April showers bring spring flowers and sniffly noses and stuffed up sinuses. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. I suffer from seasonal allergies. I just had them hit the other day. I couldn't breathe through my nose at all. And I popped a Claritin and it was like night and day. I'm a huge fan of Claritin. I use it on the regular and it always helps when we're making that transition from winter to spring, which is when my allergies flare up. Mainly it's my sinuses that get so clogged and the Claritin just clears it right up. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients 
ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy throat and nose, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Ready to live your life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches, and honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash betches. So, okay, here's my next question. Maybe this isn't a problem for everybody, but how do you keep your ego in check? Like, how does, I'm not saying someone who, I'm not, I don't mean like someone who has no confidence. How do they like make sure they don't grow an ego? But I know that sometimes insecurity can lead to ego in areas that you're not insecure about. So how do you in general or coach people to keep their ego in check? Because I think that confidence is standing on top of a mountain and being like, (gasps) the view is so amazing up here. Please come. Sam, you please. Like, see, that was the thing. I wasn't sitting on this podcast. I talked to myself in the mirror, like, good luck. I'm like, Sammy, if Mm -hmm. you don't after this fucking podcast talk to yourself, like you have to, like, it's it's that excitement of wanting people to feel what you feel. That is why, like, I'm not up here being like, I'm the queen of confidence, like sucks that you're not. I'm like, no, please come. And I think it's also owning, I celebrate what I know. Like, Mm -hmm. and I also celebrate what I don't know. And I'm not afraid to, like, everyone I've hired, whether it's my fucking accountant or whether it's someone on my team in creative or graphics or whatever. I hire people that are better at what they do than me. And I'm like, teach me, tell me, learn, like push back, tell me I'm wrong because I don't know. I know what I'm good at and I'm not good at a lot of of things and that's okay. Okay. Let's talk about the internet because obviously that is where like your, you know, a lot of your career lives. How do you deal with like the haters? Oh yeah. What's your, what's your take on that? When you feel fully, when you love yourself like your best friend, does it mean that you're not, I lived with my best friend for three years after college. I love her to death. Are there things that I'm like, "Mm, don't love that. Wish you wouldn't do that. Of course, of course. Right. But like, it doesn't take my love for her. It doesn't mean I would ever speak badly about her, criticize her or not lift her up when she's feeling bad. That is a relationship I have with myself. Okay. Right. So anyone I've noticed, anyone who gives, who says a hateful thing on the internet, isn't their own best friend. Is it? They're projecting. It's always about them. Always about them. Oh, it's wild that people... (laughs) I mean, the OnlyFans thing. When I launched the OnlyFans thing, people were saying horrible things to me. And I was like, first of all, you don't even know what I'm fucking doing on the platform. So literally simmer down. But I didn't even respond. I I, I was so fueled by it because I was like, I'm doing something right. I'm making people... If I'm making people feel that uncomfortable... It's about them and they're confronting something about themselves and they're mad at me for it. Whatever, I don't give a shit. But like, I stopped letting one opinion be truth. I think that's the problem. In our society, we are taught this is what beautiful is. This is when you're supposed to get married. This is who the fuck made these rules up? Uh, white men did. Okay? Mm-hmm. We yeah. didn't. That's not yeah. truth. So what I started to realize, it's like people can talk shit, talk shit, talk shit. That doesn't mean it's the truth. 
but do I have people that I expect to give me constant constructive criticism? Like I don't surround myself with yes people, mm-hmm. but it's people that genuinely want me to grow and want me to become better, not are projecting their own insecurities on me. No, that's really that's really important, and to know the difference with who you're who you surround yourself with because very true. I'm not gonna lie, like I do think a lot of confidence can be a lot of people's confidence can be undermined by their close friends without even. Like, I know that doesn't really get said a lot, but I think when you have, you know, people who are similar tend to flock together. And when you have, you know, I think especially when you're right in that, like, post-college phase, people are super insecure. They're very lost. Um, You might be one of them. You might not be one of them. But I think in that, there's this uh, tendency for people to sort of, like, gravitate, you know, flock into groups. And then it becomes about, like, fitting in with the group, validation from the group. And if you're seeking validation from people who will never give it to you because they can't even give it to themselves, you're undermining yourself. And I don't know if people necessarily realize how much more confident they would be if they had confident friends. Confident friends. Yeah. I'm telling you, someone asked me this. They said, what is one thing you could see across all of your friends? And I said that they're confident. My best friends Mm -hmm. from college are, we're a mess in a lot of different ways. They are very confident in who they are. And so, yes, I think it's toxic as fuck. And by the way, I've ended a lot of friendships in the past couple of years because that those people were insecure and it's like, it eats away at you. You don't realize it because they're not like Mm -hmm. criticizing you, but they see that they, they're so unhappy with themselves that they get triggered or they, it's, and I'm not saying like fucking secure people sucks for that. Like, don't be friends with them. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that like, be very protective of your energy and realize that if someone's making a comment about you or to you, is it really about you or is it really about them? And once you can make that distinction, you're good. How would you like recommend like kind of pulling an insecure friend up? Because sometimes yeah. no matter how much you tell them they're amazing and, you know, they would, don't have, they, they don't believe it, you know? I'd pull them in front of a fucking mirror. And I would make them do what I told you. It is insane how it it really does something. It's like this. And it's funny because the resisting to it also further reiterates how I know it works. Like I've done it. Like I literally was at Pilates the other day with my instructor and we just started getting into it. And then I was like, oh my God, we're going in front of the mirror. She literally like physically was like, I can't do it. And I was like, it's mm-hmm. not going to come fucking eat you. You're right, in it, you. right? Yeah. See? But she was like, I can't strike it. And I'm like, you're doing it right fucking now. And she started, and she did it and she started crying. And I'm like, see that, that, that fear, that reaction that you're having that's so visceral, that means something's changing in, within you, that you're really seeing yourself for you. So that's what I would yeah. fucking do. Your friend's insecure. You pull them in your Like if I was upset about a guy, if I like, you know, got, whatever it is, if I was upset about the way I looked, what would you say to me? And that's what you have to say to yourself. Right. I'm actually super fucking annoying about it. Like my nursery when I have kids is going to be walls of mirrors everywhere. Like I'm like, I'm like, it's no joke. I will tell you, I grew up in a full mirrored bathroom and it led to a lot of body checking behavior. So you want to make sure to, I mean, I think that's actually like an interesting, I'm thinking back about like my relationship with a mirror, lots of mirrors in my house growing up. So, so, um, lots of looking and how's my arm doing? Is it thin? You know, like just always sort of like viewing myself in 360 sort of because you weren't looking at yourself like your friend though no and now i'm thinking like maybe mirrors don't have to be you know maybe there's a narrative shift with the mirror maybe the mirror doesn't have to be about like looking for imperfections yeah. maybe the mirror is like this is me i'm like we're lucky to be here on this earth and the earth is lucky to have me because there's only one Hallelujah. Okay. First of all, I think something that's very helpful would be when people say to me, and absolutely, I think the problem was when you were looking at yourself in the mirror, you were looking, you weren't giving yourself the, the best friend treatment. I was literally comparing myself, and I think I spoke about this on like last week's episode, even. I would have magazines of like Us Weekly, and I would like look at celebrities' like arms and legs, and I would like look at my own and be like, oh, does that look? Right. So let's say your best friend was next to you. Would you be like, oh, like your arm doesn't, it doesn't match up here. No, you wouldn't do that to your best <laughs> yeah. friend. So that's what I'm saying. It's like the mirror, the mirror is your best friend. That is the shift that you need to realize. The mirror is your best friend. Because what I, what, what sometimes people say to me about the mirror thing, they go, well, when I talk to myself, I don't believe it. So I said, mm-hmm. okay, I was going to go look, there next. So I said, yeah. so this is what I say to that. When you look in the mirror, stop seeing it as you. 
literally see it as some, cause it's, I mean, it's that it's the reverse image. So there's someone standing in front of you and you need to shift your mind that that girl or that, you know, whoever may be man, whoever they, them is, is someone outside of you. And when you start doing that, it becomes easier because you're not faking it. You're just hyping them up the same way you would your mom, dad, sister, brother, best friend. Right. Totally. I will say right now I'm really struggling with mirrors because I've gained quite a bit of weight and I noticed myself like avoiding the mirrors and like it's it's kind of a weird dichotomy because like I actually do feel the most confident I've ever felt in my life right now, but I just like I don't like my body. Um, but it's not with the same like hatred as I used to feel. It's like I'm just like I'm like I'm not thrilled with this situation right now, and but like we're gonna move on because there's a lot of other shit going on that I am proud of. So that's kind of like what I try to do, but you know. There are bad days and good days. <laughs> There's bad days and good days for everyone though, okay? And 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 I think that the, the shift that I would recommend for something like that, and by the way, like same, like same. So what do you do on a bad day? I never say I am or I don't like because I wouldn't mm-hmm. say that to my best friend. She walked in, I wouldn't be like, I don't like your body. I would mm-hmm. never say that to her. Oh my God. Right. right. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So mean. Never. So you never say shit like that. I go, I'm feeling a little bloated today. Like I'm not feeling particularly like my sexiest feelings. Why feelings right. go away? And they do. They go. They do go away because you yeah. felt hate, and now you don't feel hate. You're maybe mm-hmm. not the. You're maybe like dissatisfied, but feelings aren't like this constant thing. And I think that the people they go like, I'm gross. I'm this, and say these I am statements, and then that's yeah. who you are. And you would never say that to someone you love. I will say like I gained weight. I'm probably the heaviest I've ever been right now. If I had okay. to, if I had to guess. Um, I don't go on the scale though, so I don't. I don't technically. Yeah, neither know, do I. But, That's so but, like, yeah. Yeah. Who cares? That we have clothes, we can see, um, and mirrors and everything. So, yeah, I. But even when I was smaller, I didn't see myself that way, and the way I felt about my body was so much more charged than it is mm-hmm. now. So right. like now it's like I don't love it, but I don't feel I don't feel great about it. But it's not charged. It's not like. This is gonna ruin my life. Like I get it, but it's still it, the way you're talking about it. Yeah. I still think it deserves a shift. The other day, someone said, "How do you feel better about your body image?" And I literally went up to my mirror and I gave an example. And I literally go like, "You're fucking hot. Like your thighs touch, but that friction mm-hmm. is delicious." And I just okay. like that's what, like, yeah. that's what I said. I was like, "There's like right. it's just like a delicious, like yummy, like moment, like." It's just because if my friend walked in and was like, my thighs touch, what would I say to her? I'm like, let's go. Like, who cares? It just yeah. feels good. Right. So it's like, you gotta, you gotta do it. And like, you gotta do it like right. that. Like, do I, do I wish that my thighs didn't touch in a perfect world? Of course. Like that would be nice, but like, it's right. never going to happen. So fuck <laughs> it. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not going to waste my time obsessing about something that is just like, it's also thighs touch, don't touch. It doesn't fucking make any difference in your life. Truly. It takes away from like the times when I'm, yeah, I used to be. I used to have days where, like, if I didn't like how I looked, or if I didn't want to like eat more calories on my calorie counting app, I would like not go out. I'd cancel what I was doing. Now I would never cancel something I want to do because I like didn't like. I wasn't into my appearance that day. Like, I'm just gonna go. Like, we're gonna go. We're gonna see the people. We're gonna have fun. Good. So that's what I mean by less charged. Like, it won't keep me in bed. You know, but that's amazing progress. It's progress, right? And I think I also think that's something that needs to be said is that like. This is a years long process. You're not going to wake up one day and be confident. Like you even said, like this started in college and now we're seeing like the fruits of it. I'm 27 now. I did it 18, when I was 18. I started. Right. Exactly. But I also wasn't doing the mirror thing in college. I was just saying I'm SFK, I'm SFK. I think if I had started the mirror thing and I did it every single day, like I brushed my fucking teeth, I would, I, I mean, I've seen it with my clients. They, in two months, they are shifted so you're doing that. And two, I think it's also like, you're not going to ha- it's really just about like, I think that ugh, this is why I started my brand because I was like, I, I think confidence is almost like it was so toxic. It was like, you're either confident or you're not like either love yourself fully or you don't like bullshit. Like, yeah, I love myself as my best friend. I get annoyed with myself. Sometimes I don't love that when I do something or I don't love how I look, but that's okay. But I always will still treat myself with that kindness. And I think that that's missing. People are so fucking mean to themselves. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. 
Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Okay, so let's go back to imposter syndrome for a second because that's obviously hot topic. I want to offer something that helped me get a little bit over imposter syndrome, and maybe you could give me your take. Imposter syndrome is the result of structural inequalities. And I think that women, you know, they invented this syndrome, which is basically just women feeling insecure in their careers when they, you know, are are actually achieving something because the the actual term imposter syndrome sort of implies that you've achieved something because you are being an imposter at doing it. I really think that like imposter syndrome is a result of not seeing a lot of female role models at the top, not seeing like just sort of this general belief that like men are confident and competent and women are emotional and needy and or if you're like if you act like a man that you're unlikable. So there's always these like it's like playing whack-a-mole with how you are. And I think that that is, I think for me, recognizing that that is a structural problem, I am not the imposter. There just aren't a lot of women in my position. And that's not my fault. That doesn't make me an imposter. That's a structural systemic problem. And once that, like, really, once I really was like, duh, I was like, yeah, I'm not the problem. Like, I'm fine. You're never the problem by the way, ever. <laughs> I mean, you never, never you, sometimes you can be the problem, but you can, but, you can do something problematic and yeah. Yeah, look at the way you talk about yeah. yourself. You're not you're never the problem. Okay. I think you're a hundred percent right. I think that I read a really amazing New York times article years ago, basically saying like, how is it that like, you know, in middle school, the girls in the class are the ones who do their readings and who get shit done and they're top of the class. And then what happens where they lose out on leadership positions. And it was basically saying like, they don't go for roles unless they have like literally a hundred things on their resume versus a guy will run for president. No experience at all. What's the difference there? It's fucking confidence. We live in a a world that was designed for white men. They, They don't, they operate differently than we do. It's what you're saying. They don't like there was, the table was always there for them. They could have a seat at the table whenever you want. We're almost so it's grateful to be at the table. We're like, that, oh, like, is this the table? Am I the right table? Right, exactly. We're like, wait, oh my God. You know, and then it's even worse for people of color. So it's like, it's of course a hundred percent. But what this is, so this is the SFK way to look at it, kaleidoscope. You are the main character of your fucking life. You are writing your life. You are writing it down. Like you are literally like, I go to my notebook and I go, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have Ask the Amdens for one. I don't know why that came yeah, to mind first. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have a best selling card. Right. I'm going to be on a TV show. I'm going to be the face of Chanel at the Met Gala, whatever the fuck I write it down. And it's crazy that we're talking about this. I literally had a made a vision board at Christmas random. Me and my dad had no idea what to do. And I looked at this board a year later and I'm like, holy fucking shit. Everything on this board I completed. Like dead ass. Wow. Okay, I'm not I'm not photographed by Annie Leibovitz yet, but like <laughs> everything, I'm just like, oh, Playboy. I wrote that. I worked with Playboy this year. I should make one. I have never actually made one, but I've like I write a lot, but I I've never actually made a vision for it. It's super fun. I love yeah. I love cutting magazines, but but really yeah. what it is, it's like I genuinely believe that I will accomplish everything I want to. And I also, so I, I started a company this year. I've never, I didn't go to business school. I never thought I was gonna be an entrepreneur. Card games, yeah. are you fucking kidding? Like I was an only child, I didn't play card games with people. I like literally stared at a wall and masturbated, okay? <laughs> so I had every reason, I quit my job two weeks before my bed. I had every reason to feel insecure, be like, I can't do this. I don't know how to start a company. I don't know how to make a card game. I don't know how to talk to manufacturers. I, but I said, no, you're right. I don't know how to do these things, but I will learn how and I will ask for help. And that doesn't make me any less worthy of being in this role. Like women, right. we always figure it out. Why? Because we are naturally have maternal instincts and we need our kids or, you know, imaginary to survive. We always will have a fucking plan. Okay. Right. It's so, and it's actually very interesting. It really ties into what you were saying about that article, how like men will, men will apply with no qualifications and women will like make sure if you were to be like, I'm only going to do what I'm sure I can do. You're not going to do anything new ever. 
And that's the thing too, though. I get a lot of questions like, I'm at my job, I just started, and I feel imposter syndrome, I feel, or, or I don't know what's going on. I'm like, of course you don't. You don't want to be at a job where you know what's going right. on. You want to be constantly challenged. Ask for help. You're going to fuck up. And I fucked up so much at every stage of my life, and I just see it as this. It's a learning lesson. Just don't do it again. Apologize, take accountability, and move on. How do you feel looking back on, like, past, like, things you've said or done? Like, do you get that, like, oh, I can't believe I said that? Or, like, do you get that um, that cringe looking at, like, past iterations of yourself? Oh, my God, absolutely. But, but, okay, I, 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 but I'm very <laughs> – for sure. But I also am, like – but, like, if it's really cringe, like, I've always – like, I've fucked up on social media. We all have. We all said something and then people are, like, wait, don't say that. And you're, like, okay, you're right. But my approach is always, like – I listen. I'm like, you're, I never make excuses. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people make the, but, but, but I didn't no. I just go, you're right. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. I will learn from this and I won't do it again. And that's right. just my ethos. Like you're a human being, you're going to make mistakes, but it's not about the mistake. It's about how you handle the mistake. Right. And it's about not taking it personally. I actually think that that is um, probably one of your secret weapons that what you just described Um, because I think that what really undermines people's confidence is like, they're trying, they're trying, they're trying, and then they fuck up and then it becomes, it just all comes crashing down and like they beat up on themselves and they don't let it go. And you find yourself back at square one. But I think if you can just be like, you know what? I was wrong and that was it because I'm a person and sometimes we are. Obviously this doesn't- We are all the time. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like I think the, the easier you can just sort of say that and move on which is actually like the sign of a healthy ego, I will say. Yeah. To be able oh, to say I that. All the time. I always – but see, that's the thing too. It's like people are so insecure though that mm-hmm. admitting they're wrong suddenly confirms this narrative that they're horrible, whatever. And yeah. Instead of being like, yeah, I am imperfect. I am going to fuck up. Like once I accused a girl of like copying my dating show and she like – it turns out she started it before me and it was super embarrassing. I did it publicly. <laughs> my fans went after and I literally messaged her being like, I'm so fucking sorry. I don't even know yeah. what came over me. And I was so happy I learned that lesson when I didn't have that big of a following that when it was, when I, you know, I, I, because I'm never going to do it again. I'm never going to call someone publicly out again. That's not who yeah. I am. But again, no one's thinking about that moment. When you said, is right. there something cringy you did? I was like, yep, there, there was that one time, right? right. But I, I immediately, within less than two hours, one of my stories I screenshotted, I was like, I fucked up. Like literally, I'm so sorry. And we moved on. And that's okay. Like, you're not expected to be perfect. I think people also conflate, like, confidence with, like, perfection. And perfectionism is, I think, one of the most toxic things that can play on the mind as a former perfectionist. Um, It just undermines you. It undermines you because you can't – It's not real. You can't – you actually – it feeds your insecurities because you're always trying to, like, maneuver them. And yeah, I think that being able to just sort of move on from a mistake is a really key part of confidence. In fact, like I actually think that like a truly confident person is someone who's like, yeah, I fucked up. Like, yeah, I blacked out. Like, yeah, like I did this. Whoops. Like I cry yeah. on Instagram all the time. The next morning I'm like, whoop, I did that yesterday. It's like, yeah. I'm not embarrassed. There's nothing to be shameful of, right? Right. So I think this is a good time to sort of revisit where we were in the beginning of this conversation. I want to talk about sex and dating, but really sex. When people come to you and they ask for help with, like, confidence in bed, I know we get so many emails about, like, what if he wants to turn the lights on or, like, you know, just people feeling, like, not at home in their bodies during early dating stages. And I there's a lot of – there's I, I'm guilty of this in the past of, like, believing that I could, like, fool a guy into thinking I was, like, thinner than I am with my clothing and then believing that when he saw me naked, I would be, like, oh, no, it'd be a big surprise. Like, how do you coach people on those issues? Um, because the sexiest thing a woman can be is confident. That's what my husband says. He's like, no, he's like, it's true. Yeah. No, like, yeah. it is. And also, like, what would you say if I said what you just told me? Like, like I, like, was trying to fake him out. And then, oh, my God, the big reveal. Like, he Very didn't think about that. I know. And I'm not saying, yeah. and I'm, by the way, I'm not yeah. like shaming what you said. I, I, yeah. I'm just saying like, he's not, he's literally like, he's not thinking about that because again, beauty comes from within people want it. Sexiness is like being funny, being yourself, like being like, I like did that. Like, that's what it is. It really, right. it really is. And I, I, I just think like, you know, I, I'm just sounding like a broken record, but like, you would never say that to your friend. Totally. I mean, I will say even, you know, my husband, he knows all about my like 
when we started dating, I was thinner and I was also like obsessive about being thin, what I was eating. And I would constantly be like, do I look thin? Do I look thin? Like, how do I look? Like, tell me how I look. I don't do that anymore because I'm like, I don't want to know. But when I, he knows what I'm trying to like, you know, be like, eh, I'm not feeling it. Like, I'm just not feeling sexy right now. Okay, yeah. He will re, he'll always reinforce to me, like, con- he always says it. He's like, when you just start like, kind of like walking around like yourself and you're not like trying to adjust yourself, that is when you're like the hottest. He's like, I literally don't care. Like, confidence is sexy. It's not about weight. It's about like you. And I think that I I don't know how to make people believe that because maybe I wouldn't believe it if I were in their position. Clearly, I have, you know, clearly I do still feel insecure about it because I do try to like sometimes hide a bit or be like, "Eh, not today. You know, I don't know how to make someone believe that, but it is true. I mean, I I can tell you how to make them believe that because it's just like you wouldn't like you make someone believe that because – it's just, I mean, I'm sorry, but like they literally, men literally don't care. Like they, they care don't. about like a hole that they yeah. stick their dick in. Like it's like literally, yeah. like, it doesn't matter. There are also guys who find more curves attractive. Like they might be really yeah, into because, it. Yeah. By the way, that makes sense because more curves, having hips, it's like you are, we're programmed to all fuck, right? Because we're all trying to like, yeah. You know, we're, that was how humans were designed to. You don't have to. And so it's like when you have hips or love handles, it actually shows you that you can give birth, right? You know, right. like that you, that you can actually mate. So that right. is very attractive. I don't know. I really like, I also am like, I'm Latina. Like my mom's from Argentina. Like I grew up with a lot of like these curvier bodies, like that I just find to be extremely sexy. I think the most sex, I think a great, great person to look at is Lizzo. I think she's so sexy. Mm-hmm. She's not thin by any means. No, she owns the word fat and she's confident and her beauty that radiates out of her and sexiness is not, is confidence because it's like you're equating thin to beautiful. I don't, they're not on this. No, beauty, beauty, it doesn't even exist the same field. You can be beautiful and thin, but beauty is about what's inside of you. It's not the external at all. But you also can't blame people for equating thin with beautiful when let's be real. Like those were the messages we were fed from like birth until, you know, maybe a few years ago, like that, like body acceptance was, was good. Um, yeah, no, it's completely something. Another thing I do try to remind myself is that like the beauty standard is made up. The beauty standard is like you said, it's different in other countries. It's different in other times. It used to be that if you were heavy, that meant you were rich and high class. Like again, beauty comes from within. It's not like it, it, it's just this thing that we have to unlearn. Like it's not real. Like right. I'm telling you, I remember. I remember when I started to get really confident. People were like, "Damn, Serena, you got hot!" Like, what did you do? And I go, I started to think that I got hot, and then I just became hot. Right. I love that. I love that. I started to tell I think myself. That's, so that's it. Yeah. All I, I think that is a. I think that's really a perfect place to, you know conclude this conversation is that I think that I got hot. I'm going to think that I got hot too. Because you did. Yeah. Because you are. Yeah. And you're going to tell I yourself actually, that yeah. in the mirror. I will tell you, like, I never used to think that, like, my face was pretty. It was my, like, biggest – um Stunning. Stunning. I was – oh, thank you. I used to think, like, okay, well, my face isn't that pretty, so I've got to get really thin so that people you will see be that cold. To, Would you say that to your best friend? No, but I'm telling you what, like, you know, right. you're think about like yes. the messages and the yeah, the lifelong of dieting. Yeah. And it's just ironic that now I'm like, you know, I actually really love my face now. And fuck yeah. I, I, like nothing changed. I got some Botox, but that didn't really barely. It's all from within. It's all about it your is. perception. Yeah. It is. So thank you so much. I hope that I hope that this was really helpful for the listeners. If you, you know, if you're listening to this and you're feeling like, I just how to I don't I can't feel that way about myself. I promise you that you can. It really does come from within. And I don't know how to make people believe that other than to try to make yourself believe it and talk to yourself in the mirror. Like your best talk to yourself in the mirror. Do it. And um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that right after this. I know what I'm gonna say too. I know what I'm going to say. Yeah. Okay, Serena, where can people follow you, find you, buy your games, whatever it is? Serena Kerrigan on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, you name it. 
let's fucking date.com to buy my games. And um, I want everyone after this conversation to go to their mirror and just be like, hey, I got you. I love you. I'm here for you. Look dead in the eye and you are going to become your best confidence self, I promise. That is your assignment. I'm going to go do it myself. And um, obviously follow me, Sammy. Follow at Diet Starts Tomorrow, at Diet Starts Tomorrow on Instagram. If you have a question to submit to our Dear DST episodes, that would be dstfbetches.com. And thank you so much for listening. We are always with you. Through thick and thin. Diet Starts Tomorrow is produced by Sean Kilby and Jorge Morales Pico. Editing by Stacey Wong and Sean Kilby. Social media by Sydney Rafe. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow at Diet Starts Tomorrow on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to dst at betches.com. Betches.